Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench, the show that would happen to Mariah Carey on repeat for an hour if we could get away with it. In the middle of November, Rory and Ryan here with you until 7 o'clock this evening. A lot to discuss on the show. It's been a hectic day. South Africa have won their third Rugby World Cup. It's been a busy afternoon in the Premier League. We'll wrap up all the day's action as Liverpool left it late and Man City came from behind to win as well. Also going to talk to Moss Finn about the Rugby World Cup final today. And we'll hear from our Razzy Rasmus, former Munster coach and now World Cup winning coach as well. We're going to talk darts as well tonight. Courtman John O'Shea was crowned BDO Masters champion last Sunday night. We have an in-depth uh, conversation with John about that and what the future holds from you. Listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Glad you could join us on this Saturday evening. A lot to discuss uh, over the next hour. If you'd like to get in touch, you can text us 86 a one zero four one zero six. You can tweet us as well at Big Red Bench. With the competition on the show tonight, we're giving um, you or your kids more likely uh, the chance to be a mascot for the Republic of Ireland under seventeens. Uh, who play in Cork three times in very uh, near in the very near future? Uh, they're playing in Turners Cross for three games in their Euro Championship qualifiers. We'll give you details on that on how your child could be a mascot for the boys in green. Give you details on that in just a little bit. Going to wrap up all today's action though, and for that we hand you over to Sniffles McGinty. <laughs> Cheers, Roy. Uh, I'm not using the word man flu just yet, but it's... It's uh, not that bad, is it's it? It's not that bad. I'm still standing, so... Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how it... Oh, my thoughts and prayers, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you very hopefully much. Hopefully it doesn't develop into full-blown man flu. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. I, I, I wish people could see the sarcasm in your eyes there. Like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm really concerned yeah, about yeah. you and your sniffles. It looks very genuine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on, Cheers, Roy. We'll kick it off with the Premier League. Liverpool grabbing a late winner against Aston Villa to preserve their six points. Advantage at the top of the table. Saturday Manny scoring in stoppage time. They came from behind to beat Aston Villa 2 1. They weren't the only ones either. Nearest challengers, Man City, also had to overturn a deficit. They defeated Southampton 2 1. Arsenal, meanwhile, were held to a one all draw at home to Wolves. Newcastle held off a fight back from West Ham to win 3 2 in East London. Elsewhere today, Sheffield United beat Burnley 3 0 with all the goals coming in the first half. Brighton now up to eighth place in the table. They beat Norwich 2 0, while Bournemouth were 1 0 winners over Man United in the day's early game. Winless Watford currently in action against Chelsea. 31 minutes on the clock there. It's Chelsea 1, Watford nil, courtesy of a gorgeous volley from Tammy Abraham in mm. the fifth minute. And we'll have all we'll have full reports on all those games coming up shortly. Now a little more locally, Cork City boss Neil Fenn has appointed City legend Joe Gamble as his assistant manager. Former Irish international had previously been working with Waterford and Limerick. And Gamble has won the league, the FAI Cup and the Satanta Sports Cup with the Rebel Army. He told our own Colm O'Sullivan he's delighted to be working with Fenn. Well, you played together at Cork City. You were business together in Sidentown. Had a yeah. shop for a while in Sidentown as well. Yeah. So you're obviously uh, friends and you've known each other for years. So it'll be nice to work together now yeah. as manager and assistant manager. Yeah, yeah. Look, we're good, we're good mates for a long time now. We have uh, total different personalities in, in a good way. Um, and I think that's what's going to kind of complement us working together in, in this in this uh, going forward, this adventure. But uh, look, we're, we're very enthusiastic. Um, we're hard workers, um, you know. I know Neil has his own way of doing things. I have my own do- way of doing things, but you know, we just can't wait to get going. Over to be honest, yeah. Um, for me, I'm delighted. I'm like, and that probably doesn't even do it justice to be back at Cork and they get involved again. And uh, hopefully, my experience as a player can rub off on the players we have. And 
the, uh, we can gather some momentum pre-season, get in some new players, get kind of get bums and seats, and, and, and kind of start uh, rocking again, really. Yeah, fantastic uh, appointment there by Neil Fenn um, to appoint Joe Gamble as his assistant manager. That interview in full is available on the Cork FM Facebook page if you want to check that up. But yeah, certainly a very astute appointment, I think, uh, by Neil Fenn. Cheers, Roar. Moving on to the Rugby England head coach, Eddie Jones, giving nothing away about his future in the aftermath of today's 32 points to 12 defeat to South Africa in the Rugby World Cup final. It was the second biggest winning margin in a World Cup final. Jones feels like his players will be kicking stones for four years after their loss to the Springboks in Yokohama. Former Japan and Australia boss was asked about his plans after the game. The only thing we're worried about now is having a few beers. And that's the only thing we will worry about. And then after we have a few beers today, we'll probably have a few more beers tomorrow. And then probably Monday. And then maybe we have to pull up stumps. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad plan, is it? No, not a bad plan. Definitely not for the short term, anyway. There's also action in the Pro 14 this evening. Munster are in Wales to face Cardiff Blues. That kicks off in the Cardiff Arms Park at 7.35. Connacht, meanwhile, currently in action against the Ospreys. It's currently half-time there. And Connacht in control, leading 17 points to three. In Gaelic games in the Intermediate Football Championship, the final takes place this evening. That sees Gabriel Rangers and Nocknagree go head-to-head in Porky Rin, where throwing is at 7 o'clock. Action in basketball also this evening in the Women's Super League. Father Matthews hosting DCU Mercy. That kicked off at 5 o'clock. And at halftime, it's DCU Mercy who led by 42 points to 35. A little later on, Ambassador UCC Glenmire visit Liffey Celtics at 7. While in Men's Super League, CNS Neptune hosts Kilester at 7 o'clock. In hockey today, the Irish women's hockey team can take one step closer to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics tonight. They face Canada at Energia Park in Donnybrook in the first leg of their Tokyo 2020 playoff. Shirley McKay is set to make her 300 appearance for the country and making her the most captained Irish sportswoman in history. While Ireland's Nikki Daly says they're ready to challenge the best. The progression of the team over the years, we definitely are playing like world-class hockey at the minute. And... So even though we didn't make it in 2015, I actually think it's been sort of the, the foundations for, you know, the progression that we've had to get to this point today. And I think the team is at its strongest it's ever been since I've been in it anyway. Yeah, to bot tonight is at 7 o'clock. Uh, best of luck to the Green Machine tonight and hopefully no uh, terrible uh, umpiring decisions which cost the men's team yeah. last weekend. Yeah, 100%. Finally for now, Roar, just a quick look ahead to Katie Taylor. She could become the third ever Irish boxer to win titles at two weight divisions tonight. The undisputed lightweight champion faces Christina Linnardatu for the WBO super lightweight title. It's in Manchester. And Katie Taylor speaking on Sky Sports News ahead of her world title final tonight. Yeah, I, I just have to step in the scales, really. I don't have to actually diet this week, which makes it, which makes my week a bit more easier and a bit more enjoyable. But I'm still very much focused on the job I have as well and I can't relax too much I have to stay focused I have to stay sharp this week but um, I'm feeling great at the moment and um, I'm feeling very strong to wait It would be an historic achievement if you were to win a world title at a second weight division what are the big challenges that come with stepping up? Um, well obviously the, uh, Christina is a, is a big big puncher she's very powerful she's very explosive so that in itself is a big challenge um, but I am well prepared for this fight I've been as I said this, I've had a really long camp for this fight and um, they are the bigger girls now they're, they're the stronger girls as well but I've been getting fantastic sparring over these last few months I've got plenty of rounds in, in, in the bank over the last few months as well and I'm feeling ready for Saturday 
Yeah, really looking forward to that fight tonight. Katie Taylor is box office. I just love watching oh, Katie yeah, Taylor Oh, yeah, same. Fight. I will 100%. I think it is it kicking off around 9, but she should be actually in the ring for around half 10, is it? 10 yeah, about 10? that, yeah. Um, as far as I know, it'll be about 10-ish. 10-ish. Um, tune in from half past 9. Um, I think it should be all right, but really looking forward to watching Katie fight and hopefully uh, as another belt to her collection as well. Uh, huge uh, UFC night tonight as well. Uh, one of the fights I've been looking forward to uh, most uh, over the last couple of years Um I haven't looked forward to a fight as much as Jay's Jorge Masterval against uh, Nate Diaz, uh, which goes head to head Madison Square uh, Garden tonight. So really looking forward uh, to that. We'll have plenty of MMA on the show tomorrow as well because Cage Warriors is back in Cork after a lengthy absence. We'll be talking to uh, MMA Corks Jack McGuire and John Mitchell as they prepare to make their pro debuts. That will be on the show tomorrow evening. Um, right, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a competition on the show tonight. Um, if you'd like your child to be a mascot for one of the Ireland under-17 games at Turner's Cross, uh, which are happening the week after next. So Ireland playing Andorra on Tuesday the 12th. They're playing Montenegro Friday the 15th. Then Israel on Monday the 18th. All those games taking place at Turner's Cross. If you'd like your child uh, to be a mascot for one of the games, uh, text in your name and address. Uh, which game you prefer uh, your child to be the mascot at? And the answer to this very simple question, who is the current Ireland under-17 head coach? Who is the current Ireland under-17 head coach? 086-8104-106. 086-8104-106. And uh, you could be, uh, your child could be the mascot uh, for the boys in green, uh, walking out with the, the boys in green at Turner's Cross. 086-8104-106. Uh, who is the current Ireland under-17 head coach? I need your name and address and uh, the game you prefer your child to be the mascot at alright really looking forward to those games at Turners Cross should be uh, an absolutely cracking occasion we are going to wrap up uh, the day's Premier League action it's certainly a lot to talk about um, we won't uh, rib Ryan too much about Arsenal throwing away the lead against Wolves we'll get to that report in just a little bit but we have to start with Liverpool um, not at their best today at all they have still gotten all three points against Aston Villa but they left it late Tom Gill Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 2. So the league leaders have had to come from behind to snatch all three points in the dying stages. Sadio Mane it was. Back to goal, running away from goal with the header, which nestled into the back bottom right-hand corner in added time. Villa were ahead in the first half, courtesy of Trezeguet. Liverpool had a goal, disallowed for offside. But the equaliser came in the second half from Andy Robertson. The press has been relentless. This is what potential Premier League winners do. They come from behind to snatch victory. Full-time. Aston Villa 1 Liverpool 2 that is the big question I mean like it's always said that the sign of a good team is you get all three points and you're not playing well yeah. Liverpool are doing that mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of talk like it's, um, that they, that might stop because you can only ride your luck for so long but I definitely think there's something about this Liverpool team this year haven't been playing well still six points there at the top 100% yeah and you, you kind of saw it last year as well they kind of had a bit of luck too you saw a lot of kind of late winners mm. like that again but I mean today like a lot of people were kind of saying the last few weeks is it written in the stars is this their year and I was thinking it's way too early will he calm down I, not, I think they're going to win the league but uh, do you know what today it, today this result I really feel like might be kind of like that turn of the corner where you think yeah they actually probably will to be honest yeah. you know, like you say they, they've proven now many a time and today was no uh, no other way that they can play poorly but like you say keep the keep the uh, the unbeaten run going so yeah yeah so uh, Sally Manning with the winner uh, in the 94th minute uh, he said they never doubted they could get the win I believe my teammate and uh, we, we have a good team I think uh, this happens all the time I can say at the moment so um, I think it's always um, for us to, to, to push as a team and to keep believing until the end I think uh, today uh, 
was not our best performance, but uh, at least I think we deserved the three points. Yeah, so that's all three points uh, for Liverpool. So as you were at the top of the table, Man City um, had to work hard though uh, to beat Southampton today. Darren Stanage is at the Etihad. Manchester City come from behind to beat Dublin Southampton 2-1 at the Etihad. Ward-Prowse followed up Edison's spilling of Armstrong's shot. That was them in front at half-time. In fact, it was the 73rd minute when Sergio Aguero fired home Walker's cross with their first attempt on target. The hoist went for the winner. Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne firing wide and with relentless pressure with two minutes left. Kyle Walker smashed on McCarthy's punch to win it for City. City 2, Southampton 1. As you were at the top of the table, um, it's going to be between the two of them. I mean, like you can't maybe see Chelsea riding on. I mean, like I know they're uh, as things stand, um, they're eight points off Liverpool if they get that win away to Watford. But uh, it's going to be Liverpool and Manchester City again. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's a two-horse race. One hundred percent. There's no other way. Uh, no other way. Just like a quick mention for Southampton there. Off the back of a 9-0 defeat at home <laughs> yeah. to Leicester City last week, led Man City for 60 minutes today, mm. which I reckon was probably the most they've been led by in quite, in quite a while in the Premier League. You know, like that, that's, yeah. no, that's no easy feat at all to go to the Etihad the week later and to hold that lead until the 70th minute. You know, it obviously went um, kind of, you know, when, yeah. when Skyway's formed then, but I mean, it's no no easy... Uh, yeah, no imagine easy picking yourself back up after a 9-0 defeat and then you're looking, oh, we've got the champions now, I mean, uh, uh, what are we doing? Twice! They had him in the Carabao Cup during the week as well, <laughs> you know? I Actually, mean? speaking of the Carabao Cup, it was great to see uh, Cuevin Kelleher make his Liverpool debut uh, during the yeah, week. Yeah. Um, it was um, a roller coaster of a game. Shall it, we say it was a, a brilliant game? Kieran uh, texted me halfway through and he said, "What is going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that was when the ninth goal went in. He said, yeah. "What's going on?" But fair Proper play to Queeven. He stopped a good penalty from Danny Spios yeah. to to send Liverpool through, and it was just yeah, fair play to. He turned to the cop end and kind of gave it the old kind yeah. of you know. Uh, he'll never forget that night. No, he'll never night. forget his uh, his Anfield debut for the Reds. But a fantastic congratulations to Queeven. I'm sure Evan Ringman Range is very very proud of him uh, as well. Uh, we'll talk about Arsenal now and uh, they threw away a win today Andrew Cheel Arsenal 1 Wolves 1 Arsenal ahead totally against the run of play midway through the first half Aubameyang a simple side foot finish from a clever short corner Wolves had by then made and missed a handful of chances but they continued to trouble the home defence and 13 minutes from time Jimenez headed home at the far post Martinez looping cross to punish a sleeping defence and give his side a deserved point Arsenal 1 Wolves 1 so that's just 17 points now from 11 games uh, for Arsenal. Um, disappointing result, obviously you're the resident Arsenal fan of the big red bench. Um, you were watching the game today, I Minik, mean, what did you think of it? Oh, it's like it was just... It, it, they never looked in control, even 1-0 up didn't yeah. look in control. You know, it's the... I, I don't know. He played Ozil today for the first time in, in quite a while. He was kind of pressured to after he kind of gave a good performance against Liverpool. But I, I, I don't know, Roar, it just... It, it, it's not going right from at the minute at all. They, they would, is Emery under pressure? He is, I would say. He is under pressure. I'd say he's definitely under growing pressure now. His contract is only until the end of the season anyway, which kind of mm. doesn't help things. Uh, like, And I'm not one for this kind of, you know, one bad run of form, get the manager out kind of a thing. I'd prefer to just give him a chance, get some stability. But yeah, like I mean, the the fans aren't happy. You know, like I was watching a lot of kind of reaction videos and stuff in the last couple of weeks. Definitely after that one nil loss to Sheffield, yeah. people are kind of saying, "What? Like, what's he adding to the team? Nothing. Mm. You know, like literally nothing. The midfield is uh, is really problematic at the minute. Obviously, you've got the whole Xhaka debacle, which yeah. didn't, you know that didn't even play a part in today because Xhaka wasn't even uh, in the squad today. So, but still, it just. 
I don't know. Like I saw when Jimenez equalised, it was nearly just what you were waiting for it because mm. it just waltzed right through again. Jacka had to release a statement yesterday. Yeah, basically apologising, well, but not apologising well, at the same time. Well, he didn't time. actually apologise. I don't think he kind of just said, "Look, can we not just move on?" Kind mm. of a thing. He wasn't. Yeah, he didn't apologise. It obviously got to him. Uh, it, he kind of said that he'd been uh, separate to the actual abuse he got when he was actually substituted off. That he was getting a lot kind of online. Yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah. yeah, and and uh, like that is obviously has no place in the game at all. Mm. Like he's he's just after having a baby and he's getting a lot of abuse online towards his wife and his child, which is just bang out of order obviously it's only football like, lads yeah, exactly yeah, yeah exactly but sure. but yeah no another point another few points dropped today for Arsenal it's not surprising at all they're just on a real down spiral at the minute alright we are going to move on and we will talk with Sheffield United who are having a fine season uh, indeed up to 6 now with a win today uh, against Burnley Lee Stott Sheffield United 3 Burnley 0 a fully deserved win for the home side who scored twice just before half time to put the game out of sight John Lundstrom netted his second of the match in that period both of his goals finishing off good team moves uh, John Fleck also fired home in what was more of an individual effort the visitors had a VAR check for a penalty when they were 1-0 down but it was decided the ball hitting Jack O'Connell's arm wasn't worthy of a swap full time Sheffield United 3 Burnley 0 uh, some concern though for Ireland Cork's uh, John Egan uh, substituted today after uh, 80 minutes uh, as he picked up an injury in that game so uh, hopefully he uh, won't uh, be too long Get a, got a bit of a knock um, substituted hopefully um, won't be um, or will be available uh, for the boys in green for that Denmark game but uh, John Egan having a, an absolutely fantastic season he is rock solid yeah. in the centre of that Sheffield United defence unbelievably defense. yeah 100% earned that place he's, he's doing great yeah, fantastic, fantastic to see. Uh, Brighton beating Norwich 2-0 today. Richard Newman. Brighton are Albion 2, Norwich City now it's finished. Three successive home wins for Graham Potter's side and they're into the top half of the table while the problems remain for Norwich still in the relegation zone. Three points from safety. But Brighton deserved this win. They dominated the game and for the second week running their attacking threat intensified when Leandro Trossard came on. The Belgian winger opened the scoring by converting across from the right to the near post then provided a free from which Shane Duffy slid in to score and for Norwich they didn't create much apart from hitting the bar early on through Marco Sieperman it's now five defeats in the last six games for them but Brighton keep their momentum it's finished Brighton 2 Norwich 0 Newcastle scored more than one goal for the first time this season Guy Swindles West Ham 2 Newcastle 3 Newcastle scoring more than one goal in a match for the first time this season they were two up at half time headers from Clark and Fernandes further opportunities had been spurned and Shelby had hit the bar he then increased the lead with a fine free kick when the keeper should have done better just at the start of the second half West Ham got a couple back through Balbuena and a fine finish from Snodgrass but too little too late West Ham 2 Newcastle 3 and Manchester United had been on a three match winning Run, but then they went to the vitality. Peter Hood. Bournemouth won, Manchester United nil. The home side's goal drought is over, and a very valuable win indeed against the United side, whose mini revival comes crashing to ground. The game was separ- uh, was separated by a goal by Josh King in first half stoppage time, when he turned Juan Bissaka to drive home the only goal of the game. Bournemouth were always good value. United had plenty of the ball, but they couldn't use it, and they created very little. It's finished Bournemouth 1, Manchester United 0. And this is the reaction of manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. When you get to uh, places like this, you've got to take uh, 
the control of the game. I thought we started really well first 15, but then uh, lack of quality uh, or yeah, we, we couldn't get a goal. And then when it becomes uh, a game like it did, uh, the first goal was always going to be important. That's four league defeats now for Manchester United. They are in 10th place, just 13 points from 11 games. Their worst ever start to a Premier League campaign after 11 games. Um, pressure growing on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Is he going to see out the season? God, I mean, that's that's the question, isn't it? I don't see it. I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be the next one to go. This side of Christmas or after? Uh, I'd say he might get until Christmas. I'd say like I say it could be soon after, you know. Yeah, not uh Looking good for Manchester United. Um, they were all right at the start of the game, created a couple of chances, um, but um, they conceded a very, very poor goal from their point of view. Uh, Joshua King just flicking the ball over his head with Aaron Bazaka marking him and then just uh, burying it past um, David De Gea. It was a really good goal, um, but very, very disappointing if you're a Manchester United Definitely, fan. Yeah, so, yeah. lot to be concerned about uh, yeah. for the Red Devils. All right, we're going to talk rugby and um, the World Cup final uh, taking place today. And of course, South Africa beating England by 20 points uh, earlier on this morning in uh, a bit of an upset. A lot of uh, talk going into the game that England were the favourites, but a 20 points uh, win uh, for South Africa, who were excellent, weren't they? Right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. They were unbelievable, and what a surprise it was, like you say. Uh, there kind of seems to have been a kind of an air of whoever takes the scalp of the All Blacks basically has their name yeah. kind of half on the trophy as it is, but I mean, you know, that obviously didn't uh, face South Africa too much. They it's were a funny old, It's a funny old game, like New Zealand hammered South Africa, um, and then England beat New Zealand. Mm. Um, so you think that, um, but going on that form, that like England should have won, I just think maybe the... Um, the, the win over the All Blacks just took an awful lot out of them last I'd night say that, I'd say that was exactly it I'd say they just kind of ran out of it mm, the just end. ran out of steam a little bit but uh, for more on it um, I spoke to our good friend former Ireland and Munster star Moss Finn uh, about the game and South Africa's fantastic performance It was absolutely extraordinary England were raging favourites you know they dismantled the All Blacks last week and next thing they turn around against what was perceived as a much inferior team to New Zealand and, and they're they're beaten comprehensively by a better team on the day in South Africa. It was an absolutely extraordinary result and one that certainly the bookies didn't get it right and that's for sure. Certainly didn't. Um, watch, I mean like tactically, where did South Africa get it right this morning? Well, the, the, the thing I, I don't like and I didn't like it about all the matches in Japan is that I thought the, the standard of the actual surface of the pitches and the greasy ball, even in dry conditions, there was still a greasy ball because of condensation or whatever. I thought the actual pitch didn't help, for didn't didn't augur well for a free flowing game. It suited a kind of a, a, a big strong team like South Africa, who would choke the life out of the game, and 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 win ugly, as they say, you know. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Donald Lennon alluded to it there on, on the commentary initially, where. South Africa got the upper hand in the scrum and because of that all the penalties went their way and I felt that a lot of the penalties in the scrummage while South Africa, South Africa deserved some of them they didn't deserve all of them and I felt to be fair because I was pro-England yeah. is that I, I felt the officials didn't help England in any way I, I would even go so far as to say that they came down on the side of South Africa to a detrimental degree for England and there was a big question about South Africa's first try as well, whether or not there was a forward pass. Well, again, Lenehan in the commentary box and Hugh Cahill said it was forward. Yep. I said it was forward. I thought it was forward and they reviewed it. 
and your man said it wasn't enough on it to be absolutely conclusive about it being fallen. They gave the try. Um, that was the turning point of the match. I felt England were coming back into it at that stage, but I thought it was a wrong decision. And overall, I, I'd be very critical of the of, of the French triumphant and, and the referee Garces. I felt England were very hard done by. No, notwithstanding that, South Africa played extremely well. And they played to their strengths, and, and they were a little bit, perhaps, more dynamic than they were against against Wales. But they choked the life out of England, and they choked the life out of the game. I thought it was a very poor advertisement for rugby football in that there was too much time spent on the scrummage. It kept collapsing, it kept going up, and then Gar says the ref he has to blow something to keep the match going, yeah. and all those blows went in favour of South Africa, and that killed England. They were literally South Africa choked the life out of them, and any bit of creativity that England tried was they were doing it on the back foot and you can't play rugby on the back foot Just on that far pass again Moss like there's a hundred cameras at the ground and they only looked at one angle of it which I thought was a bit baffling It was and he, he, he did it quickly I mean he didn't take his time about it you know mm. and like you Lenehan said it a few times and he's very accurate to be fair to him he said he t- from his angle to was definitely forward but then we only saw the one angle I mean Whereas before there was a knock-on there for England against the All Blacks there in one of the matches, and there was about 300 cameras had different angles on it, and one camera eventually showed that there was a slight hand knocked forward from England and the tribes was allowed against the All Blacks, if you remember. But that level of sophistication wasn't used in this, wasn't used on this occasion, and it, it was the turning point in the entire match. How much did the win over New Zealand take out of England going into this game? Do you think? Well, Gatland alluded to it during the week and he's a clever guy, as is Eddie Jones and he said that, and I, I don't think he meant it badly but he said England could find it hard to get it up two weeks in a row mm. and, and he was proved absolutely right it must have taken a lot out of them but then again, rugby football is a strange game psychologically, if you're not up for a match you can't get it out there and for them to switch on for a second week in a row it was obvious that they, they, they couldn't do it they couldn't play to the same level but having said that I felt South Africa contributed to that because they're a big blustery side and physically they're very, they're very hard to beat. And England just couldn't get on the forward foot and that they seemed to lose confidence after that and South Africans' confidence grew. Mm. Razi Erasmus has completely transformed the South Africa team since he arrived at the end of 2017. They were seven in the world rankings. They were a mess. The work he's done in, what, uh, like uh, less than 24 months has been sensational. Unbelievable. He, he's, I, I met him a few times here um, in Munster. He's an extremely clever man. Mm. And you, you might remember when he came to Munster at the time that poor Anthony Foley died. God be good to him. And I thought Erasmus showed incredible class and dignity and intelligence in handling all those situations. But that was a very rough situation to come into. He's an extremely clever man. He took over South Africa when they were an absolute basket case. And, um, you know, there was all this thing with, you know, how, how many different creeds you have to play. There has to be a certain amount of colours and, and, and whites and all this. And he, he handled that extremely well, do you know? And he's turned them into a force. And they play, they play a sort of straight football. It's, there's, there's, there's no sophistication. They win the ball, they suck the life out of the opposition and they kick the ball forward. So they're always on the forward foot. It's not, it's not a great style of rugby, but it's South African rugby. And he brought them back to what they know best, and that is route one, and they perfected it, and they kept perfecting it. And when push came to shove, the acid test was he delivered with that plan on the day when it mattered most, and England couldn't. Mm. 
To see South Africa's captain, Masai Khaleesi, lift the, the, the cup today is a huge moment for South Africa, not just the, the team, but as the country, the country as a whole. It is, and apparently it is. Things are quite volatile out there, uh, you know, apparently. Mm. It, it's not the safest country in the world to live in, now. that is well documented. So it, it, it's a big boost for, for it, 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 it'll contribute very handsomely towards that. It's very important, and I'm glad they won to a degree, but I'm a bit disappointed because I felt England were, 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 had the best team in it, really, mm. but they just couldn't do it on the day. And I was very pro-England because they voted for us for the World Cup. And they came in 73 there. You saw all the document, the documentary there last night on RT there, where John Pullen led his English team out in Lansdowne Road during the Troubles. And England have always been very good to us rugby-wise and always voted for us, even though Scotland and Wales didn't. So I was very disappointed and I was also disappointed for rugby football because I didn't think it was a great advertisement for rugby. When you have these restarts and scrummages and collapse scrums, all that, I didn't think it was great. Last Saturday, we saw what was best in rugby football, England and New Zealand. I think today, we nearly saw what was worst. <laughs> That's my opinion, anyway. <laughs> uh, just another one thing on that, Razzy Rasmus. Were you surprised to hear that he'd be stepping down as a head coach? Uh, that was always his... He perceives himself to be more of a director of rugby. He he doesn't like to be the hands-on man on the pitch and that type of thing. Yeah. But um, that's that's what he went over there originally to do was to direct be director of rugby, and put a guy in as coach to to run. But I, I, he obviously couldn't get someone to implement what he really wanted, and then did it. Now, mm. now that he has them up and running, he's going to go stand back and and do the director. Perhaps he has somebody in mind who can do what he does. So um, it doesn't surprise me because he's. He's at an age, I'd say, for moving back from the hands-on stuff, and it'll suit him. And he's he's an extremely clever man, you know. Uh, we haven't spoken in a while, Moss, so I have to get your thoughts on Ireland's capitulation uh, against New Zealand. I mean, look, what was your feelings um, uh, watching that match? Very disappointed. Again, wasn't a fan of Japan. Not the Japan team, but the actual Japan as a place for matches. Yeah. Uh, I had a few chats with friends of mine who were out there, and... Uh, one of them had been talking to Ian Henderson after the match against Japan and he said, don't judge us on that please because we just couldn't get our breath. They couldn't get their breath. They were exhausted after 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that, that has nothing to do with rugby. Notwithstanding that, notwithstanding the conditions, I felt we played extremely poorly and I was very disappointed. The, the main thing being that we, Joe Smith didn't pick form players. All year, he goes back to the same fellas who, have, who were undercooked half the time. Murray played very little rugby. Sexton played very little rugby. Completely undercooked. And they expect them to go in then at the top level and perform like they did against fellas who were playing 10 matches in a row. I think Smith got it wrong completely by not picking farm players. There's no way that Conor Murray should ever have been picked for Ireland, even on the tour. He's been poor for 12 months. He didn't make the brave calls, you know. Mm. And I think he went stale in the job. Same thing happened to Declan Kidney. It happened to Eddie Sullivan. Towards the end of their tenures, they, they lost the dressing room. Schmidt, to my mind, has lost the dressing room. He's taken his finger off the pulse. He hasn't picked form players. If you don't pick form players, you can't expect the old guys to turn up and do it all the time. New Zealand, six months ago, were beaten by us, or in, in November last year, nearly 12 months ago. And there was only six of that team played against England last Saturday. And I think only five of them played against us. They, no, they, have a, they have a bigger pool of players to come in. Perhaps we don't. But at the same time, if a coach isn't prepared to change and pick form guys, you're at nothing. And that was absolutely proven.
Yeah, Andy Farrell's coming in. He's got a massive job ahead of him now, doesn't he? He has. I like the idea of him coming in, you know, in, in, in terms of his main background is rugby league, even though he did play union for England. But if you see what Sean Edwards brought to the table with Wales down the years, he was one of the great rugby league men of all time. So I think Farrell's influence will be positive, and I don't think the players will be as cosseted under his watch. I think he'll be more demanding, he'll be more physical, and he'll want Phyllis to play week in, week out, like they do in the Premiership, and then play for England. Mm. Whereas here, we're reminded by Munster that only low play a certain amount of matches. I think he might get rid of that and be a little bit more forceful and expect Phyllis to, 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 to play more, more often. Mm. All right, Moss. Um, overall, though, World Cup, uh, where would you rate it? How, how would you rate it? Uh, average, overall. <laughs> I think a couple of good matches. Um, England and the All Blacks was very good. I enjoy that. Japan were a breath of fresh air, but again, it comes down to money. It was played in Japan. I'm not too sure that was a good idea, but there's obviously commercial reasons for that, like there are commercial reasons for the World Cup going to France the next time and not here. But overall, I enjoyed it, but I don't think the best team won, unfortunately. I thought England were the best team. All right, Moss, a pleasure as always. Thanks for taking our call today. Very good, Roy. Always a pleasure talking to Moss Finn. Very, very knowledgeable about the game. Very, very passionate uh, about the game. And always great to have him on air. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk darts, the BDO World Masters Champion. John O'Shea joined us in the studio earlier on today. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. And second half underway in uh, the Watford and Chelsea game. Chelsea still leading by a goal to nil thanks to that Tammy Abraham goal after five minutes. A reminder of the competition on the show tonight as well. Uh, we're running a mascot competition for the Ireland under-17s who play three games in Turners Cross uh, in over the over uh, the next week or so. They play Andorra Tuesday the 12th. They play Montenegro Friday the 15th and Israel on Monday the 18th. So if you would like your child to be a mascot for one of the games, text in your name and address uh, which game you prefer uh, to uh, 086-8104-106. 086-8104-106. So just text in your name and address and uh, the game you prefer uh, to 086-8104-106 and uh, your child could be leading Ireland out at Turners Cross uh, over uh, the next week. It's going to be a fantastic uh, week three fantastic games uh, for the under-17s and Cortman Colin O'Brien of course uh, the Ireland manager as well so really looking forward uh, to that alright we are going to talk darts and uh, John O'Shea was crowned the BDO Masters champion at last weekend uh, fantastic achievement for the Corkman, Corkman who's been on our show uh, a couple of times so delighted to have John O'Shea uh, in the studio with us today World Masters champion following your name <laughs> absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant you know who, who would have taught that from Cork like yeah you know World Masters champion. I mean, the names on that trophy synonymous with darts, like yeah, you know. I know you're one of them, and I, I'm one of them. It is absolutely brilliant, Rory. You know, it is. I can't believe it, like. Just take us back. Um, like you're interviewing on Eurosport afterwards, you were quite emotional and said that uh, you didn't even know if you could play that week because your leg was at you. And yeah. so, I mean, like it, it was, it was a tough battle just to get to the hockey, really. It was, you know, I, I didn't get the preparation in that I, I was hoping for running up to the World Masters because of the the, the Achilles tendon. Mm. You know, it wasn't healing as fast as I would hoped it would heal. But um, a few days off the building site and, you know, and we went a day early to, to England and um, it, it felt fine. It felt fine over there, you know. Mm. And, uh, it didn't affect you too much, so. No, it didn't. As a matter of fact, it was probably 95% better than it was 
for the last few months like you know mm. I was really struggling like you know what I mean I, like look the doctor told me that, that I needed to come off for a few weeks mm. but unfortunately you know the way the world works yeah, you, you can't afford to come out of work for five or six weeks and put it up like you know mm. so mortgages have to be paid and <laughs> everything and what not that comes with it like you know so mm. we just carried on we just carried on as normal so uh, it obviously didn't affect you too much um, make the emotion afterwards you could just see how much it meant to you yeah, it was like, you know, it was like the monkey off the back. You know, it's, it's, I got there. Mm. You know, for, like, I've been playing darts, um, while in excess of 20 years now, like, you know, from, from local level, when I started with, with, with the lads in, in Vincent's and, mm. in St. Vincent's Harlem Football Club, like, and then playing around Cork with, with doubles parent on Martin Cotter and, and, and winning trophies with the CDO and, and whatnot over the last few years. And then I took it to the next level, which was, which was county level. And mm. from there it was international level. And, you know, I've had a few spells over in the UK learning how to do it like their way you know yeah. what I mean like because like you basically at the end of the day you got to take on the British because they basically ruled the roost for, for, for many years like with the likes of Phil Taylor and Dave Chisnell and James Wade and all these top mm. top dark players you know so and then you've you like you had Phil Taylor who who who, who uh, retired and Michael Van Gerwen now who's the world number one in the PDC like but then you have on the BDO where it all started for all these fellas before the breakaway mm. you know which was which was a lakeside mm. you know and as you know I've been here with you before like when we got to the quarterfinals yeah. of the World Masters three years ago when I got to play Wolfie Adams on, on stage which was brilliant again because it was an iconic stage mm. and then they moved to the Circus Tavern where that's an iconic stage yeah. you know synonymous with Darts, isn't so it? Uh, the stages are getting bigger <laughs> you know so like uh, in a few weeks time it's the, the, the Indigo at the O2 in, yeah. in London you know, so yeah, the stages are getting bigger. That's the first year it's not in Lakeside, is it? A, it's the first time it's not in Lakeside. Yeah, new sponsors, new new venues. Look, I suppose the game has moved on. Yeah, you know, people need bigger venues. People are like darts is huge now. Mm. It's, like the money in the game is is um, is huge. Like so, like there's a lot of how would you put it? There's a lot of uh, opportunities now for for the youths. You know mm. the youths in Cork, the youths, the youths around the country. Like I mean, like we have massive, massive talent. Like I mean, like we won three world titles last weekend. Mm. Katie Sheldon from Dublin, fifteen year old, um, she won the the, the girls um, world masters, and then you had Key and Barry, who was just phenomenal at the moment. Like they did. Mm. The sky is the limit for him, like you know, and he's a smashing down the down the ground. You know, he's a smashing lad, like, and mm. I wish him all the best. Like he is one or two world um, world championship games coming up over over the next few months, like, and mm. he's 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 just huge, like, and of course you have our own Kieran Tien in Cork as well, like that Kieran was with me at the weekend and he got to the quarterfinals, mm. you know. So like, it's good for Cork and it's good for Ireland. So the game's in a good state. So. It's, it's, it, you know, it, there's an awful lot to be said for, for the way the I and the O have approached it over the last few years with the youths and, and bringing the youths to, you, you know, to the likes of Turkey for, for the, the Youth World Cup. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, years ago they probably didn't get that. We wouldn't have got those opportunities mm. when I was growing up as a, as a youth player, you know, because darts was, I suppose, always classed as the, the pub game, you yeah. know. But yeah, it's 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 after getting really really big now, and it's big all over mm. over the world. Like I mean, in Asia with the soft tip, 
You know, yeah. it's it's just just massive amount of money, like. Even in Cork now, following your win, is probably the 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 popularity is going to probably explode again. Do you know? I I was down I was down in Blackpool, uh, doing a bit of shopping when we came home there uh, recently, and the amount of people that stopped me and they were wondering without the Joker shirt, is that John? Is that him? Is that him? You know? And you're there, and you can hear them. You can actually hear them saying it, like, yeah, and then yeah. they get close and they close. Oh, it is him! It is him! It is him! You so know? you're a proper celebrity now, so. Well, do you know what? It, it, it's funny. It's funny in a way, Rory. You know what I mean? Like that. That. That people. You know, you, you can see the lift and the smile in their faces. Mm. Like you know, one of our lads from from Farnry, mm. you know, is now world champion. You know, yeah. it's uh, you know you 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 can't write these scripts. No, like you can't. You certainly can't. Um, take talk us back or take us back at the final. Going into the final, were you nervous at all? Were nerves a factor? Uh, do you know? I tell I tell you, and I'll be brutally honest with you. I had no nerves at all. Yeah. I just felt I was at ease with myself mm. and and my game. You know, I've had worked so hard over the years, like the four to five hours, seven days a week. You know. Come in after rugby, come in after gymnastics, come in after work, and mm-hmm. I still managed to get myself and motivate myself to get on the board. Even though I hadn't played a whole lot of darts in Cork, something had to give. I couldn't afford to do go out on a Monday night and play local darts and mm-hmm. then head away for the weekend up the country to play uh, for for the rankings and then maybe throw in a BDO event, maybe in Malta or something like that. Something had mm-hmm. to go, you know. So I said, look. We 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 we'll put the money away. We'll stay in. We'll put the money away. We'll we'll we'll, we'll save enough money to get to Malta, or we'll save enough money to get to Italy, play the Open, and we'll see how we go from there. And that mm. was that was the plan. Like some some couldn't do it all. There's only so many hours in a the day. There's only so many hours in a day, and there's only so much you can do with work. Like because Laura's a nurse and I'm a plumber. You know what I mean? Like and it's just and then the kids and they have their sports. Mm. You know. Like like Kelly plays basketball, Jake and Kenneth play rugby, Maisie play or Maisie's in the gymnastics. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I play the darts, yeah. and then we fit everything in in a week. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to fit in, all right. Yeah. So nerves just wasn't an issue. Nerves, calm, nerves, nerves uh, I was at ease mm. with the game. Like going into that final, I was I was at ease. I was uh, like Scott Waits, like uh, you know, two times world champion. He's already won the world masters. Had you played him before? Would you believe it? I have never played him before. Yeah. In in the years now, I've been, I've played BDO darts now over three or four years here and there events, you know, and we've never met. We've mm. actually avoided one or in every yeah, yeah. single draw, like, and that was the that was the first time playing him yeah. in a World Masters final. Was the first time to play each other. So mm. look, I know who Scott Waits of. He knows who I was as well, mm. but obviously he didn't know what I was capable of doing because we had never played before. Mm. But he would have known. He would have known from that week and from previous. Like I mean, a, a semi-final in Malta, quarter-finals in Malta the year before. Mm. You know, last thirty-two of um, the Scottish Open, last hundred and twenty-eight of the Dutch Open. I mean, the Dutch Open, seven and a half thousand entries, the biggest open-ran tournament in the world mm. with one hundred and twenty dartboards mm. down to the last hundred and twenty-eight. You know. You know you're playing well when you're when you're when you're doing things like mm. that. Like yeah, you'd love to go a little bit further than 128. Like you know, but so you were kind of the underdog a little bit. So going in, pressure uh, maybe yeah, off you. But I was definitely the underdog. Yeah, he deserved. He he des- even though I probably at that time I think I had posted the highest tournament average. Mm. But yeah, look, I mean that was in a different game as well. Like you know, but Scott Waits is. Um, He's a different, a different animal. Like you know, mm. you, you, I showed him respect as well on the stage. You know what I mean? Mm. And he deserved it. 
but yeah, there's there's a certain element of you know he'll still talk to me after the game when I lose yeah. like you know what I mean like, he's so, a nice fella yeah. yeah so right now he's in my way of making me a hero back home like, yeah. and that was it like and and the nerves I, I just felt at ease mm-hmm. you know it's, it's probably hard to describe it like I normally get the butterflies yeah. in the stomach and a bit of adrenaline running like you know what I mean like but I just I just knew that I, I just knew at some stage in that final that I was going to win mm. And that was the only time throughout the whole tournament that I actually dreamt a little bit and said, I'm going to win. Mm. You know? Was that when you went 5-4 up? Or? Do you know what? I, I ran into a, a two-set lead and I was 1-0 up in the third set and, and through, I, I lost the third set I probably shouldn't have lost. Mm. And I could have been three sets up. That could have been quite dangerous because then I probably might have relaxed a bit more yeah. than I already was and maybe got complacent. And... That's what actually happened for that split moment there, that that five minute spell mm. where I actually thought, and then all of a sudden I found myself it's two all, and I said right, forget about it now, till after mm. you win, or if you win, you know what I mean. Like the bottom line here is that Scott Waits is a very dangerous dark player. I mean, a few years back, he was eight 0 down to James Wade in the Grand Slam final, mm. and rattled off ten legs straight, ten legs like so. This is the caliber of dark player you're playing mm. against. Like you know, it doesn't matter how far behind he is he's still good enough to rattle off three or four sets one after the other with a few 11s and a few 12 dark legs mm. and then you're out in the back and you're saying what just happened there <laughs> yes. you know so yeah, I've learned a bit from 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 that from the last time on stage with Jamie Hughes I've learned a bit from that mm. you know so so um, it gets down to when you've three darts in your hand at double 10 to win what's that feeling like that double ten was like Cork Harbour. <laughs> the only thing on you must that, have hit that tens of thousands of times. Like. Oh, how many times have I threw my hands in the air in the kitchen, pretending to be a world <laughs> champion? You know, yeah. as silly as it might sound, but look who who hasn't done it. Like you know what I mean? But that did, I, I just saw the red. Mm. I just saw that red bit, and there was nothing else I could see. That whole dartboard was double ten. Mm. I could not miss it. And the minute I left my hand, it was. I knew it was in. Yeah, you know, and I. I <sighs> Well, what can you say? I, do you know, it's even now, now almost uh, like a week later kind of thing, yeah. you know what I mean? And it still hasn't hit home, like, yeah. you know, as much. It's just the magnitude of the whole the whole lot of it, like, mm. you know. Me, Farron Reboy, you know, taking on the best in the world in the BDO mm. and winning a World Masters title, like. It's not overstating to say it's a life-changing moment life changing it is for me and it is for my family you know mm. we've we, I have a very young family like and even my brothers and sisters all their kids like they're all the same age like you know and for me mum and dad like I mean they, they've put up with it for, for as mm. long as I can remember as long as I'm playing darts you know um, but for the for, for the kids it was huge like it's life changing for them as well like because even where they go now in, back into school Monday you know your dad's the world champion your dad's the world your champion your dad's the world champion even out at the rugby there now this morning like you know we were all, all the kids were coming up well done well done well done Well, you, see, you know it, it, it brings a smile to people's faces mm-hmm. you know and the kids watched it like and you know they loved every minute of it and just to be like I, I'm still John O'Shea I'm not going to change yeah. do you know what I mean I'm still out at rugby this morning freezing mm. you know I go again you know, this 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 is this is what it's about. Like, I won't it won't change me at mm. all, at all. You know, and you don't really have time to, I suppose, let it change you because you, you said you're so busy with B. You're back in action in January as well. Well, this is it. Like, I mean, like we're off now um, next week. 
to Killarney for the Irish Open. Mm. That's that's a huge tournament for Ireland because it's the first time Irish darts has brought a BDO World Rank tournament to Ireland. Yeah. It's a Category A tournament, twenty eight thousand euros in prize money. You know, um, so it's it's a big undertaking. As far as I know, the last time I checked, it was three hundred and seventy four entries in the mint. Mm. So yeah, and they're all coming over. For it. You know, Tony O'Shea and Andy Hamilton have landed in Ireland. A week ahead of schedule for a few exhibitions around the country. Mm. There's 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 a lot of big names in that now, like you know. So and it'll be my first appearance on a dartboard since I won, like yeah. you know, which is very soon, you know. Very normally there's a few weeks, but because of the time it was that I won, and the Irish Open was only a week or two after, yeah. you know. So I'm looking forward to Clarny, like, and then I, I think I have um, Italy or Malta at the end of November before I run into the. The O2 there, right. so there'll be plenty of there'll be plenty of darts now thrown in the next few weeks. Mm, certainly, well, um, like practicing, obviously, you know, over Christmas and all that kind of crack. Like, doesn't bother you, doesn't? No, I, look, I have I have a set routine. Mm. Do you know when I when I was able to practice proper, I have a set routine that I do over three hours. You know, and like it's grand and handy now because Jake and Kenny can play the game as well. Yeah, you know, so. Um, they give you that time in between the dartboard like it gets very monotonous when you're throwing at a dartboard on your own you're up and you're back you're throwing back up take them out back down around but when there's someone that you can practice with and the motion of waiting for your turn to throw while he takes his darts out Mm. of the board like it's it's a it's a proper practice you know what I mean like they're they're improving all all the time as well Mm. keeps them off the playstation (laughs) anything that does that is a a good idea it's a bonus yeah (laughs) it certainly is John it's been a pleasure having you in buddy Um, congratulations absolutely delighted for you thanks a million Roderick cheers buddy always great having John O'Shea in the studio could have talked to that man for the entire afternoon congratulations to him uh, on being crowned BDO Masters uh, champion uh, it's certainly a life-changing moment for him. And uh, congratulations indeed to John. Absolutely delighted uh, for him. All right, just going to get you up to date on some Premier League stuff. Uh, Chelsea tuning up away to Watford. Tammy Abraham with the first, Christian Pulisic uh, with the second for Chelsea. That'll see them uh, into third place uh, at the expense of uh, Leicester City. And uh, they are eight points uh, behind uh, leaders Liverpool. Could this is then a title challenge? Remains to be seen, but Frank Lampard certainly doing a, a terrific job uh, with that young Chelsea team. All right, just one final reminder of our mascot competition before we get out of here at uh, 7 o'clock. Um, we have um, teamed up with the FBI and we want to find mascots for the Ireland under-17 games, which are happening at Turner's Cross, they face uh, Andorra on Tuesday the 12th, Montenegro Friday the 15th, and Israel on Monday the 18th. They're all in Turner's Cross as the boys in green uh, continue or go in search of uh, three wins in Cork which would be absolutely fantastic of course uh, Cork's Colin O'Brien is in charge of the under-17 team so if you would like your child to be a mascot for one of the games text in your name and address uh, which game you prefer as well to 086-8104-106 086-8104-106 and uh, your child uh, could be leading out the boys in green at Turner's Cross what a fantastic uh, moment uh, that could be alright uh, just before we wrap up I'm uh, going to hear briefly from uh, Razi Rasmus after the uh, former Munster man uh, was uh, helped South Africa to, to win the World Cup uh, this morning by beating England going to hear from the captain uh, Sai Khaleesi as well No, for, for us as a South African team we decided um, long before the rugby championships already we're going to I wouldn't call it sacrifice but we decided that we have to be 20 weeks together 
if we want to have a chance of winning it just because we're so far behind the other teams in terms of building a squad uh, to be competitive at the World Cup. So we didn't see it as a sacrifice. We saw it as a massive honour uh, to try and win it for South Africa. And now this is week 19. Um, and week 20 was always the trophy tour in South Africa. And, and that will be next week. So we're, we're very proud of, of making it. We know there was a lot of luck involved during the way getting here, uh, but we're so proud, um, not, not just because we found the trophy, but because we're South Africans and, and uh, a lot of people thought we'd never make it and we just believe South Africans never give up and that makes us really proud. Sturdy, um, I think Coach said it earlier, how proud we are as South Africans and we know how many people didn't give us a chance, but we had to believe in each other as a team and the people around and the plan. And, you know, he kept on telling us how good, how good we are. But, you know, and he drove us to work hard and he drove us to places we haven't been before. And, yeah, it was special for all of us. And I've never seen such support from our, our, our people back at home. And I honestly don't think we could have done it without them, you know. And, you know, everywhere we saw those videos, people sending videos, people coming together. It was, it was really beautiful for us to see. And yeah, it was awesome to, to have my dad here. Really grateful um, um, that I could share this moment with him. Uh, it means a lot to him and my, my best friend, obviously, for me. And yeah, it's just an, an absolutely amazing day for, for, for all of us. I, I can't say anymore. Just uh, we, we have a habit of winning the World Cup every 12 years. And you're a young coach and you're still in the, well, you're still in the job or running the team now for the next, the next four years. We don't have to wait 12 years for the next World Cup, do we? I mean, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to challenge again and soon. <laughs> no, Gavin, our, our big, big thing is that um, when I took over two years ago or a year and a half ago, it was 618 days till the World Cup. And we planned to the World Cup to try and win the World Cup. I think it's now 614 days to the British and Irish Lions and, and, and we'll start planning now for the British and Irish Lions because that's in next, obviously we've got the rugby championships next year and the normal super rugby and all the normal, normal uh, local competitions but I think it's 614 days or some well, close to that before the British and Irish Lions um, you know, land in South Africa so we'll start planning for that now. Uh, the big thing for us is what we are trying to do is to be Consistent now. I think what Eddie's done with England, uh, when they won 23 out of 24 games, you know, they were starting to be consistent, and what Warren did with Wales for being consistent. That's right, Razi Erasmus there, the former Munster man, um, speaking after uh, helping South Africa win the World Cup this morning and a fantastic performance indeed from them. All right, uh, we are out of time. Thanks very much indeed for tuning our way. Thanks to um, Dara DC, uh, Killian Dennis O'Sullivan and uh, Patrick O'Flaherty for texting in. Uh, their kids have won the, uh, the mascot competition, so they'll be leading out the boys in green at Turner's Cross uh, for the under-17 uh, European Championship qualifiers. Congratulations indeed. We're back tomorrow from 6pm. Enjoy the rest to your night's TVG is up next podcast online shortly miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie Corks red fm